Welcome to the In His Voice podcast, hosted by me, Rob L. Lowe, where we talk about the trials and tribulations that deeply impact the lives of boys and men without ever bashing women. We talk about everything from the bedroom to the boardroom, from the playground to the stadium, and everything in between. Today, I have a great show in, for, uh, in store for you. T- today, I have a great show in store for you. I have a good friend of mine and fraternity brother uh, who is from the Bahamas. And today's show, we're going to explore not only the challenges of, of coming to, to the U.S. from another country and working, but what was it like integrating into the black culture and how did he maintain his own Caribbean culture? And then we're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about, you know, being an entrepreneur both here in the U.S. and even back home in the Bahamas. So welcome to the show, my good friend, fraternity brother, Jonathan Burroughs. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Brother B. So I jacked up that intro, but don't worry about it. <laughs> Listen, man, uh, you know, we go back now uh, since 2017. Yep. And I've been in Orlando now for 14 years. And, and when I met you, man, like it was just instant bond. And we talked about, you know, my journey through the fraternity and what it meant to me and how hard it was for me, not because the, the fraternity was hard, yeah. just because I wanted different things from different people yeah. and, and I expected something. And and I have to give credit, man, you and, and B.O. Brian Owens, like, like there's some good brothers, don't get me wrong. Yep. But you yep. and Brian Owens, from that connection, awesome. Yeah. And then brothers like Tony Jackson, Polk, and, uh, and Jermaine Patterson poured into me. Okay. But you and B.O., the truth. Brothers, brother. Um, <laughs> what's fascinating, man, we, we, we go out and we have cigars together. And yeah. then you started sharing with me uh, some of the stuff that you were doing around entrepreneurship here in the U.S. Um, and, and in the Bahamas. But before I get to that, dude, I, I got I to gotta of where you're from. And how'd you end up in the U.S.? And how'd you choose what school you went to and how you landed here? Like, I never asked you in detail to tell me that, man. Okay. Okay. So, um, originally from the Bahamas, Nassau, Bahamas, born and raised. Um, I used to sing in our national choir. And actually, I just came back. Oh, dude, I did not know that. Our 40th anniversary concert last week, Saturday. Dude, you kept that a secret. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and... I actually, St. Augustine's University in Raleigh, North Carolina, was looking to create a world-class choir. So they were offering scholarships and recruiting from various different schools. And also, we had some members or former members from the National Choir that attended St. Augustine. So they were like, hey, you want good quality you know, singers? This is the organization you need to look at. So there was an opportunity. Um, there were four of us that came off to school. Uh, myself, uh, Clarence Missick, Tazan Miller, and Sharana Thompson. And we integrated at St. Augustine's University to create this world-class choir. And that's how I got here back in 2002. Hold on, bro. We're talking about St. Aug. St. Aug. Uh, HBCU in North Carolina, St. Aug? Yep. Bro, I didn't even know that. Yep. So went there, went to St. Aug. Um, two years. And, you know, I often set goals for myself. So going into my sophomore year, I was like, hey, I want X amount of dollars in scholarships to make sure everything is taken care of. I can be self-sustaining. So sophomore year came um, and I didn't achieve my goal, but I missed about $2,000. 
Okay. So, but it was still more than enough to cover everything. What financial aid decided to do was, hey, they decided to take my choir scholarship away from me, but left me with work studies. So I was like, okay. I came here um, on a contract to sing for the choir. Scholarship was based off of that. And um, we went to represent Synog at a competition called NATS, National Association of Teachers of Singing. And okay. it was at Western Carolina University in Cullowee, North Carolina. Okay. And we took this drive. It was like four of us driving in my car, going up to the mountains. And when I got to that school, I was like, this is what I'm talking about. This is the experience. Because I always had a picture in my mind. What college life is going to look like. Yeah. You know, coming from the Bahamas, you always want to see something different. Yeah. Um, went there. We performed. We were some of the top performers. And um, before I drove off that campus, I went to admissions. I picked up three applications. And I said, this is going to be my next school. Applied. Got in. And then I left and I graduated from Western Carolina University. Bro, you left St. Aug. I did. Because you went there for a, 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 for a scholarship. A, a, right. And then you, you're on your way to Western for, for a competition and decide this is where I'm going to go to school. Yep. Because I, at that point in time, I was no longer obligated to St. Aug because that was a breach of contract. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I was going to ask you that, man. Why would they take away your school? Did you at one point get mad at the, the director or oh, something? No, or what? no, no. no. Uh, oh, well, my director was kind of, he was a little bit pissed off for the fact that I was leaving. Okay. But, um, but no, um, I was getting too much money. So, and I understand they wanted to allocate those funds to other students who may have needed it. But, you know, my goal was to get X amount of money yeah. to cover me yeah. while I'm in school. And that's what I did. That yeah. was my goal. Um, and I understood why they did it, but it was still more so a breach of contract. My thought was, okay, if you're on a contract on a scholarship to sing in this choir and you're getting too much, we'll take away your work study. Right. And let you keep your choir scholarship. Yeah. Or even if you reduce the choir scholarship, they took it completely away. So I was like, oh. and left you a work study. Well, I mean, I always say, well, then I'm working for that. That ain't like you giving me anything. Yep. So that's what happened. And that was, that's how I got to Western Carolina University. Uh, that's where I um, joined Alpha Phi Alpha okay. uh, at the Western Carolina, the New Zeta chapter. Um, and I would say I've made some of the best friends of my entire life between Synog and, and Western. So Man. That's the story. And then from there, moved to Atlanta and moved to maybe about five different states after that, and now, now I'm here in Florida. How long have you been in Florida? Ooh. 2016. All right, so, so before we jump into the meat, what's it like living in Florida, you know, compared to the Bahamas? I, I don't care about North Carolina, but, dude, you, you're, from, you're from Nassau, bro. You grew up with the ocean and, and just serene beauty everywhere you go man and you're in florida with a florida. yeah with a bunch yeah, of people that, tourists you're used to tours but man it's different it's 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 different but you know it's different but wherever you live is what you make of it okay so that's one thing i could say is once you find again that core group of people 
it always makes living in any city easier. I mean, I lived in Cullowee, North Carolina. I lived in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I lived Did you? in Lake Charles, Louisiana. You lived there too? So it's all about the connections that you make. Yeah. And the type of person that you are. I mean, well, and that's one of the things. Well, well given, given your Caribbean uh, ancestry, in any of those cities, were you able to find a connection or, or other Caribbean roots or, or communities or, or, or just here in Florida? Like, I never asked you that. Um, Lake Charles, no. Okay. But Lake Charles is only two hours from Houston. And okay. Houston has a very strong Bahamian community. Okay. So quite a few people that I grew up with, that I went to school with, people who are also frat brothers. Yeah. Um, uh, so those connections are there. But, it, you know, Murfreesboro, I didn't really have that connection. Um, I lived in Jacksonville as well. So yeah. Jacksonville, Florida. So Jacksonville, we had one or two of them. So, but really, Florida has been the main one. You know, I'm from Indianapolis, right? I lived a lot of places. Um, coming to Orlando for me was was a culture shock. It was a culture shock because I lived in Dallas. I lived in Minneapolis, lived in Kansas City from Indianapolis. I even moved here from a suburb of Memphis, mm, right? Okay. We're talking about the South. Yeah. Yep. But everywhere I lived... I felt there was a black culture, an African-American culture, right? Yeah. I come to Florida, very diverse, super diverse place. But this was the first place I ever lived in my life where I didn't feel an African-American culture. I felt black people, saw a lot of them. Yep. But I felt I experienced a strong Caribbean culture. Yeah. And a South American culture, yep. right? Um, do you feel that way? Like coming from here, you've lived in Atlanta, you lived in Tennessee, but being in Florida, does yep. Florida feel different compared to those other places? Of Florida, I mean, Orlando does. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's it's the location. If yeah. you go further south, you're going to definitely get it. Of course, you're going to get more of the Hispanic um, culture further south you go in Florida. Yeah. And you'll continue to get even more of the um, of the Caribbean, West Indian culture down there yeah. as well. Orlando is a little bit different, I guess, because yeah. we're placed smack in the middle of the, the state. Yeah. Um, so it's not really one of the places that a lot of people would pick up and say, hey, I'm going to go to Orlando. Yeah. Right. It's not a Miami. It's yeah. not a Fort Lauderdale. It's yeah. not a Tampa. Yeah. You know, it's Orlando. Yeah. But I think for me, one of the big things is that it's almost like Orlando is a is a hidden gem. It is. A lot of people do not know, you know, the ins and outs, the nightlife of the city, all of that stuff. The only thing they think of Orlando, Disney. they think of Disney. Yeah. That's it. Orlando, Disney. I'll be honest, for the longest time, I didn't even know UCF was here in Orlando. And they got, what, 60,000 students? Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there's a lot of things I believe people just don't know about the city. And I, I try to encourage folks every time I go back to the Bahamas and it's like, oh, my God, you need to go see Jonathan in Orlando. And I was like... It's like Orlando. I don't want to go around no amusement parks or anything. And I was like, <laughs> Orlando is a different city. Yeah. Very different. But again, home is what you make it and where you make it. That's right. the big thing. So it's probably a bunch of questions, or at least it's probably <laughs> one or two questions that people want me to ask. Okay. Sing single? 
Yes. All right. Kids? No. No kids. All right. Interested in one day getting married? Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Okay. All right. So listen, anybody who sees this, if you're looking for a husband, he's not it. <laughs> but he's a good dude. I'm telling you that. I just want to get those because I know people are going to see this and they're going to wonder, why don't you ask? Well, that's what we really want to know. So now I did it. Um, man, coming from the Caribbean. Yeah. Dating women. Yep. Is there a difference in dating women in the U.S. from those from the Caribbean or different parts of the Caribbean? Come on, let's go there because people don't mind. You got my head. Right, people, 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 I'm like, oh, Lord, I hope nobody sees it. Right, right. But um, it is different. But you know what? I'm going to say this as we age and as the generations change. Yeah. Dating is becoming more and more difficult for, the, for everybody. Yeah. And I would say the expectations are different. Okay. And, you know, she's going to kill me, but I'm going to throw it out there too. I mean, even my sister, you know, yeah. she's a professional, she's yeah. a marine environmental scientist. She's single, no kids. Yeah. Right. I think she does want to get married in the future. So if anybody's watching it, <laughs> I have a sister out there. She's on the market. Um, the expectation is different. Yeah. And I guess with the cultures, we have that deep, island culture but one of the things about the bahamas is the bahamas is a very fluid culture yeah we have a lot of influence from let's say from the jamaicas we have a lot of influ influence from cuba we have a lot of influence from the united states yeah so one of the things that i've noticed um just even within the last recent years it's where is the bahamian true culture wow okay because there is so much influence and I, and you know, <laughs> I always tell the story. I said, I remember when things changed in the Bahamas, when we used to be outside playing marbles in the dirt, when we used to play bat and ball running barefooted in the yard, you know, there's still some people that do that. Right. But I said, I remembered that one time when we got cable in every single household in the Bahamas, in Nassau, and that's when you stopped seeing kids going out in the yard and playing. Wow. Everybody was now connected to the television, connected to the internet. So that's when a shift happened. So, and of course, you know, working class, you know, parents often, they, they would, if you're inside the house, we know you're safe. You're not outside in the streets. You're not outside playing in, the, in you know, running up and down, yeah. that type of stuff. So it, it was kind of like, okay, they're in the house, they're safe. Yeah. But for me, that is when I truly believe that our culture shifted. Wow. We started to lose touch of who we are. Now, granted, in the Bahamas, we have what we call the outer islands the, or the family islands. Yeah. Where those islands are more still attuned to who we are as a Bahamian culture. Okay. And so if anybody comes to the Bahamas and wants to get that true, authentic Bahamian experience, definitely you have to go ahead and venture out to the outer islands to like the Exumas to Cat Island, Eleuthera, you know, um, Bimini, Berry Islands, you know, Mayaguanas and Salvador, you know, that's where you get a completely different culture from Nassau is, is the metropolitan. Okay? How, how do folks who live in Nassau travel to those outer islands? What's the most common form of travel? I mean, they, there are flights. Are they seaplanes or are they uh, no, regular planes? Or like regular planes. Okay. Um, normally propeller planes. You have okay. some uh, jets that actually go there. But one of the typical and traditional way that you would travel 
to the family islands. For those that don't like to fly, it's called a mailboat. Or you take a fast ferry. So you jump on the boat and you go ride a couple of hours. And next thing you know, you're on one of the islands. But again, we, we now live in a modern day society. Yeah. People want to get there quick. They want to be there quick. So they're going to jump on a flight and go there. Some islands have daily flights. Some have two or three flights a day. Wow. And then there are some that only have two flights a week. And those flights, um, do many of them fly out at like fly to Nassau and then from Nassau you go to yeah. where we need to go, right? Yeah. Um, they started to look at an increasing airlift from various different parts. Okay. Um, so now you probably can fly directly into some of the other islands. Like let's say for example, Grand Bahama, I think there's a direct flight you can go to, um, from, there's a direct flight actually from Raleigh, North Carolina, I believe going into Grand Bahama. Wow. And then, um, of course, anything along the Florida coast, Fort Lauderdale, Jacksonville, you have, you can fly directly into some of the other islands, the major islands like Exumas, um, Grand Bahama, stuff like that. You know, uh, speaking of the Bahamas, um, we went there, you know, for family vacation a couple of years ago and you see all these mega resorts. <laughs> um, and you know, the, the Bahamas from, from my limited understanding, you know, had a huge um, economic support from the U S right. Right. But now other countries oh, yeah. have, have taken notice to the Bahama and, yeah. and started to pour in. Oh, yeah. Like, where do you see that? Where do you see that um, impacting the islands? Like what countries have you noticed or where, where has it shown up at in the stability or the growth? Definitely. I would say China has also been a big influence okay. as well. Um, China has, um, of course, they have their embassy there. There's been a lot of support over the past few years um, that are building and the mega resorts. You know, the Bahama Resort was actually built by, I believe, the Chinese construction company. Wow. Um, and there's so China really has a bigger influence. And you actually find more and more Bahamians going off to school where they would traditionally come to the U.S. So yeah. go to Canada or go to the U.K., now you're finding more and more Bahamians traveling to China and getting um, studying studying there. Wow, and, I did not know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There is a there is a big connection with China and the Bahamas. Um, so China is one of them, and you know, I just think with the whole remote work now, everybody can just pick up and move anywhere and yeah. and work remotely. We're just seeing a large influx, large influx of folks coming. So one of the benefits of that is you pick, you, let's say you have your house, yep. you have a $900,000 home, right? You got $800,000 worth of equity, right? Yeah. You work remotely. You can pick up, sell your home, all your personal items, take $500,000, purchase real estate, a home in the Bahamas, and you automatically get permanent residency. Really? Yeah. So that's why you would see a lot of people who are either entrepreneurs or work from home, have their businesses. They they choose to come to the Bahamas because who wouldn't want to live there? I could say and, and five hundred thousand gets you a nice house. It gets you a decent house. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll say it gets you. There. Now you got to talk. It's the Bahamas. Things okay. are expensive. Yeah, they are. They're expensive. But I would say five hundred thousand gets you a very decent home. Yeah. All right. So now you opened up the door. Oh, boy. You just talked about real estate. Yep. You just talk about development in the Bahamas. Yep. Um, I know um, you recently became a realtor. Yep. Right. 
but also know that you're doing uh, real estate development in the Bahamas. So first, let's talk about that. Like, what are your projects? So my projects in the Bahamas, um, just to give a little bit of history, I was sold on a dream um, by my grandfather. Um, our family has a number of acreage inside the Bahamas. And um, he had this vision of where the whole entire family came together. Uh, my mother was a physical therapist. My sister, again, marine biologist. You know, myself at the time, I was studying culinary arts. In yeah. which, yes, I am a chef. Wow. Just to put it out there. Um, Hold on. Ladies. <laughs> he is a chef. He has no kids. Uh, he is an entrepreneur. I need to uh, take a uh, sip uh, on this uh, one. <laughs> a land developer. He just does not want to get married. So if you can live with that, you know, find me on social media. I'm charging a small fee for interviews. Uh, and then I might be able to help you out. Okay, go ahead. Sorry about that. I had to put that disclaimer in there. I, I was waiting for it. I All was right. waiting for it. But, you know, the biggest thing is just he had a vision of what he wanted to see. Yeah. Um, with the property. Okay. Um, unfortunately, he passed. Nothing has been done, but he sold me on that dream. I would say when I was at the age of 14, I went to visit him at his office. And this is when I learned about, oh, well, we have this, we have that, 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 that. It's like, okay. So, and from, I was very young. I've always wanted, uh, my mom was studying in London. I stayed at a bed and breakfast with her. Okay. When I came to visit her, I was probably about five. And I was just taken back about how all of these people are in this place. And then you have this big communal area where everybody ate. And uh, the lady who had ran the bed and breakfast, her name was Miss Bunzel. And, um, and I was just taken back by it. So from since then, I had this thing in my mind that I want a bed and breakfast. I, bed and breakfast restaurant, I want a bed and breakfast, right? Fast forward to now. I had this image of a bed and breakfast uh, until recently uh, talking with another one of our frat brothers, out yeah. of Charlotte, you know, who is also in real estate development. He was like, Burroughs, you've been wanting to do this for a very long time. Yeah. Right. And he was like, here's what I'll do. You know, he's done development deals and stuff before. He's like, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to partner with you on this. Because I want to see your dream come into wow, fruition. Wow. So I was like, okay, bet. Because I mean, with my background, it's operations, hospitality, all that stuff. But mm -hmm. real estate, I've always had this interest in real estate, uh, but never really, never really knew how to get into it, what it would all it entail. So fast forward. So my little four room bed and breakfast turned into a 16 room boutique hotel and spa development that we are currently working on. Um, it is going to be a green property, 100% um, off the grid. Um, we are looking to incorporate nature throughout wow. the whole entire project. Um, and it's going to be more so the footprint of a larger project that we're currently working to go through and get uh, uh, government approvals on. We're going through the um, approval process. Um, in order so that we can start to start capital raising in order for the development. And that development should include um, homes. We're looking at doing um, a hospital, regional training hospital, trying to help improve the healthcare infrastructure. We just talked a little bit earlier, kind of looking at the elements that 
would help make the Bahamas, you know, one of those places that anybody can just pick up and go to. And they have exposure to technology, you know, but yet you're still embracing nature. You're still embracing, you know, the culture uh, without taking away the culture. So setting up um, and helping improve the infrastructure, you know, one of the biggest challenges that I think there is everywhere is healthcare. Yeah. And having access to healthcare in, in the Bahamas is only two major, I would say two, three, three major hospitals. You have the Princess Margaret Hospital, which is the public hospital, and there's Doctors Hospital, which is a private hospital. I think the RAND is also part of um part of the um public hospital. But it's but those are all located in the northern part of the Bahamas. Southern part of the Bahamas, there's no true hospital. Everybody has to be airlifted. So that's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things is just really looking at what what can we do? You know, what can we do and what is going to be my part, how I'm looking to play into it. Um, But the big thing is creating opportunities for Bahamians um, where they're exposed to different things, you know, being able to bring what I've learned from the U.S. and also share it at home and also provide those other different opportunities to local local businesses, local entrepreneurs. So two projects that I am working on is a boutique hotel and a green community development. Um, do you have a do you have a, a projected timeline of when you would like to see this thing finished and open to the public? For the um, for the boutique hotel, we're looking at about quarter three. God's willing, everything goes well. Quarter three of twenty twenty five. Wow. Um, for the larger for the larger project. Um, that's going to take a little bit more time. Yeah. Um, we have it broken up into four four different phases based off of the intricacies on putting in infrastructure, yeah. making sure, you know, solar, you know, roads, all of that stuff. So um, that one we're probably going to look more so for about 2028, okay. 2028, 20, uh, 2030, just around that. So I would say more so about, what is that? Next five, six years. And and you're part of a, an investment group, uh, business developers. You guys have, have, have created the strategic plan of what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I also know, you, you know, you dabble in Airbnbs. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And you're doing uh, real estate deals here in the U.S. Yep. Uh, dude, do you sleep? No, not much. <laughs> man, I mean, every time I talk to you, man, like you leaving one meeting to the next. Not much. I mean, here's the thing. We only have so many hours in a day. Yeah. Right. And, you know, everybody knows how long the body needs to sleep and rest. My yeah. thing is this. If I have uh, information or if I have something in my brain, I have to get it out. Yeah. I need to take advantage of that time. Get it out. My thoughts are going. This is when I need to put it on paper. Um. You only, we only have control of ourselves. So, and one of the things that I often say is that I can only control my actions. Yeah. I leave everything else up to God. 
right? Okay. So if I'm not taking the time to go ahead and either go take this meeting, sit down and talk to this person, go ahead and do this or do something else, wake up and, you know, do something else, then that's on me. I'm not putting in the energy. I'm not putting in the work. So that's why I keep myself busy. That's why I keep, I work to keep myself focused. That's why I'm still single (laughs) because until I achieve the goals that I have set for me, I wouldn't want to bring any other elements into my life that can kind of distract me. And that's just being real. What would you say right now um, is the one thing that keeps you up at night? Not having enough time. Well, in the day or just in life? Just in life. There is too much that I, I want to do. There's too much that I want to get accomplished. Yeah. And tomorrow is never promised. So, you know, just to know the fact that one, you know, I'll be 42. I'll be 42 on this coming Saturday. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Another PA public service announcement. 42 single, no kids, business developer, Bahamian does not want to get married. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's the fear of not having enough time because there's so much I want to get done. And I understand everything takes a, is a process. But also, what is the legacy that I'm going to leave behind? How will I be remembered when my eyes close? Wow. So believe it or not, that is what keeps me up because there's so much I want to do so many people and you know, so many people that uh, I want to help and see succeed. But I know that the only way that that can happen is when I'm in the position to make sure that they can succeed. What did they say? The richest places on earth What in your heart? What? No, the what? graveyard, the r- Graveyard. Because so many dreams and goals wow. and aspirations that are buried is. there. So many ideas are buried in the graveyard. And for me and most people, we get caught up in life yeah. where we have to meet this bill. We have to work. We have to do this. And all of your dreams, goals, and aspirations just diminish because you get caught up in that rat race, in the matrix. And... I don't want to be that person. I, I I have um I have maybe two or three more questions before we wrap up. Um, the first one is before they stand over you and 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 say goodbye. Yep. And send you to your final resting place. Yep. Resting place. In your mind, what what does what does I did everything I wanted to do look like for you? Well, by that time, um, I would have multiple real estate developments, not just in the Bahamas, but um, I'm a big thinker, so I'm talking globally. Yeah. Um, I would then have my kids. Okay. I would then have my family. So Okay, hold on. So, so you want kids? I want kids. And you want a family one day? One day. Not right now. Uh, 
So everything would be aligned. I would have my foundation will be up running, fully funded. We're supporting people. We're doing good around the world. You know, business is good. You know, great relationships with um with close friends and you know making a difference giving back to my community the u.s and the bahamian community or whichever community i settled into that's the big thing all right last question yeah if you can go back and see yourself 30 years ago in, in the bahamas as a kid what would you tell yourself oh, Patience. That's it. I would tell him, be patient. Uh, even from being a child, I always used to rush. I want to get there quick. Yeah. Go, 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 go. Not realizing that it's a marathon. It's not a hundred meter dash. So what I've seen myself 30 years later, where I would be, you know, but I would tell him, be patient, plan, and stick to his dreams. My brother, powerful interview. I learned a lot from you today about you, yep. uh, Bahamian culture. And man, if it's God's plan, bro, I want to be here to see all those things happening, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank all you right. for the opportunity. Yeah, man. Listen, anything you want to share, if people want to get a hold of you, contact, you want to put uh, any of your social media, your business things out there, I'm just giving you an opportunity. You know what? I think me being on here is All enough. right. <laughs> All right. Jonathan Burroughs. Hey, brother, thank you. Thanks, bro. All right. Thank All you right. for enjoying and tuning in for this episode. We'll see you next time on the In His Voice podcast. See you later.